You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Islanders Award Winners a monthly podcast examining seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In this episode, we'll focus on Billy Smith in 1981-82, a season in which he finally reached the pinnacle of his position after a decade of battling. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching Lighthouse Hockey in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcasting app of your choice. Or you can listen right from our website at www.lighthousehockey.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can, as it really does help raise our profile. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Bill Smith, Vezina Trophy, 1982. His honesty makes him so vulnerable. The only way Smitty can survive is by being honest. Otherwise, too much would fester underneath the surface. My only fear is that if he really hurts someone, he'll be crucified. All that stick stuff tends to take away from his real talent. He's one of the best angles goalies in the league. Smitty's playing goal is going to be overshadowed by all of this. Glenn Chico Resch on former teammate Billy Smith, March 1982. Billy Smith's road to his only Vezina Trophy win was a long and challenging one. Drafted in the fifth round by the Los Angeles Kings in the 1970 amateur draft, Smith was an original Islanders expansion draft pick in 1972, and he had a better-than-front-row seat for the franchise's rise from hapless punching bag to consistent playoff team to Stanley Cup champion. By 1981, Smith was a two-time Cup winner, an All-Star Game MVP, the first goalie credited with scoring a goal, 
and a man who you did not want to see at the other end of the ice in a playoff series. In his nine-year career, Battle and Billy had earned a reputation as the best money goalie and the most batshit crazy crease protector in the NHL. He had found team success, but had yet to receive the kind of individual recognition for his skills that the top players at his position generally enjoy. The Islanders finished the 1980-81 season the same way they had finished the 79-80 season as Stanley Cup champions. They dispatched the tough Minnesota North Stars in a five-game final, and Smith started 17 of the team's 18 playoff games that spring, going 14-3. While they weren't a dynasty yet, they had established themselves as the team to beat in the NHL. After the celebrations were over, Billy Smith found himself in two unusual places. One was training camp for the 1981 Canada Cup, where he had been selected for Team Canada. For most players, this would be a huge honor. But Bill Smith was a little different. Smith made no secret of the fact that he did not want to participate in the camp or in the tournament at all. The only reason he was even there was because Islanders GM Bill Torrey was an advisor to Team Canada and had convinced him to attend along with his five Islanders teammates. When he realized that St. Louis goalie Mike Liute would be Team Canada's starter and he'd be relegated to backup duty, Smith fully checked out. He drove his new coaches crazy by hanging out in the gym whirlpool to duck out of workouts and taking practices at an even slower pace than he did with the Islanders. When the other players asked his Islanders teammates if Smith was always like that, Clark Gillies responded that actually, Smitty's usually worse. Canada coach Scotty Bowman remarked that Tory and Islanders coach Al Arbor deserved medals for dealing with Smith year after year. Smith said at the time, quote, It was a no-win situation for me. If I didn't go, I'd get cut up in the press. If I went, I knew I wouldn't play. I'm the type of guy who's got to be pampered. I've got to know that you've either put your money on me or you haven't. I'm not a practice goaltender. But I went, and let me tell you, I raised a lot of gray hairs on some guys. He also complained about the camp taking him away from one of his kids' birthday parties, the house he was having built on Long Island, and a new business he had just opened up. It took one of Smith's worst nightmares coming true to finally give him the escape he was looking for. During practice, one player slapped at a puck as it was rolling near the net, and it bounced up towards Smith's face. He put up the back of his glove to protect himself and ended up breaking his middle finger. The player that took that shot? One Mike Bossy. Smith's high-scoring Islanders colleague. Quote, It was a dumb, dumb thing that Bossy did. I have great reflexes, but there's no way in a million years I can move when he's that close. I said to him, where's your head? What skaters don't realize is that if I get hit high in practice, the next day I'm automatically going to pull up in a game. There's no way I can stop it because they have put the fear in me. I can't shake it. When I first came up and guys did that, I speared them. I've dropped gloves with teammates several times. I hit Potvan once and almost put him out. Al finally said, you've got to stop it. But they were trying to hurt me, so I was going to hurt them. End quote. So Smith was finally released and allowed to come home, where his other new frontier awaited him. Earlier that summer, he opened the Bill Smith Employment Agency in Melville, Long Island. An idea proposed by a friend, the 30-year-old Smith was already looking towards the end of his hockey career. Quote, I think that I could stay with the Islanders another three or four years, maybe. When I'm through playing, I'd like to be able to stay on Long Island. End quote. The agency specialized in permanent placements, 
mainly in the clerical and secretarial fields. And although he welcomed the challenge of a new role, wearing a tie was something he needed to get used to. By the way, Team Canada would lose in the final of the Canada Cup 8-1 to the Soviet Union. The only goal for Canada was scored by Gillies with assists from Bossy and Brian Trottier. Meanwhile, Liu was in goal for all eight Soviet scores. Despite his busted digit, Smith was back at Islanders training camp. His sore finger didn't stop him from putting on his pads for practice or from doing what else he was known for. An 8-4 preseason loss to the Rangers saw two melees, a bench-clearing brawl in the second period and a line brawl late in the third with the Islanders goalie at the center. Smith elbowed Rangers forward Dave Silk as he approached Smith's net, and he later slashed Mike Allison as he swung at the puck just inside the crease. Smith ended up throwing down with Rangers winger Eddie Johnstone while others paired off. And Smith started a slash again. He's going to cause a murder out there. There's Smith in a fight. Vickers has his man down. Look at Smith. They're going to have to do something with him. The best thing they can do is let Eddie Johnson at him. Someday Smith is going to get it. All told, 297 penalty minutes were doled out, including 51 to Smith alone for game misconduct, a 10-minute misconduct, and penalties for fighting, slashing, and spearing. The teams met again the next night, and even more fights broke out. Between the two games, 453 penalty minutes were assessed, 12 players rejected, and two were issued three-game suspensions. Smith was suspended for one game and fined $500 for his part in the altercations. The Islanders started the 81-82 season on the road in Los Angeles and skated out with a rather easy 4-1 win over the Kings. After a tie in Colorado, the Islanders beat the Penguins 4-1 with Smith making 35-6. It was also his first win over the Pens since 1976 and the Islanders' first win in Pittsburgh since 1978. Back at Nassau Coliseum for their home opener, Smith was among a small group of original Islanders who were celebrated as the team commemorated its 10th anniversary. Smith and Bobby Nystrom were the only two Islanders from their inaugural roster still wearing the blue and orange, and they were joined by Ed Westfall, Lorne Henning, Jean Potvin, and others. All received gold watches as gifts. The Stanley Cup was presented, and the Islanders went on to beat the Vancouver Canucks 4-1 to remain undefeated in four games. That's what we call foreshadowing. They'd make it five games without a loss after a 5-4 win over the Rangers two nights later. But a 9-6 home loss to the Kings brought the party to an end. In net that night for the Islanders was 21-year-old Roland Melanson, who had all nine goals hung on him. Melanson had been so good the previous season as a rookie, with a personal eight-game unbeaten streak, that Bill Torrey felt comfortable trading Glenn Resch, Smith's goal partner for seven seasons and one Stanley Cup, to Colorado. But so far in his second NHL season, Roley the goalie was having trouble finding some consistency. He would give up six goals in a tie with Hartford on October 29th, seven goals in a loss to Quebec in mid-November, and would rotate through wins, ties, and losses until the middle of December. Meanwhile, the veteran Smith won eight of his first nine starts that season, including impressive wins over imposing Montreal and Edmonton. The 4-3 win over the Oilers was notable not for a goal or a save, but for an incident that was vintage Smith. The goalie slashed Wayne Gretzky in the thigh as the young great one crossed the back of his net. 
Here's the play on Gretzky, the whack of the stick by Billy Smith. Gretzky goes down, still feeds the pass in front. No penalty on the play, the league says it's investigating. Then the Islander comeback in the third period. Two goals by Wayne Merrick and the game winner by Merrick as he sets up in front, tips one through the legs, and the Islanders win it 4-3. to three. The whack sent the all-star center to the locker room for the entirety of the third period. Edmonton coach Glenn Sather called it, quote, a typical Billy Smith slash. The guy's been doing it for 10 years. Smith said he wasn't trying to hurt Gretzky, but didn't deny making contact while trying to knock the puck off his stick. Later that same season, Smith said of the incident, quote, The only thing I hate about Wayne is he's getting to be too much of a crybaby. Take your lumps and accept them. I got a lot of aggravation from the league and bad press because of that incident. It's not like I went for his guts or his head. I just threw my stick behind the net and he took a dive. I'll tell you one thing right now. The next time I hit him, it won't be a dive. End quote. Smith was not fined or punished by NHL Vice President of Disciplinary Action Brian O'Neill for the slash. Still, this incident wouldn't be forgotten in Edmonton for a very long time. A few nights later, Smith made 34 saves in a 2-1 win over Montreal at the Forum, beating the only undefeated team left in the NHL that season. Brian Trottier said it was, quote, Smitty's game, as the goalie had to fend off not only shots against, but Bob Ganey knocking him over, and Canadians coach Bob Berry accusing Smith of taking a dive. Smith didn't suffer his first loss of the season until his eighth start on November 7th, a 6-2 loss to the Sabres. After two wins, the team went into a dramatic but short-lived funk, allowing 17 goals against in a tie and two losses to Edmonton, Philadelphia, and Quebec. They got back to winning in the best way possible, sweeping the Rangers on back-to-back nights. Smith started both games and made 49 saves on 54 combined shots. Smith and Melanson each had a win and a loss in the next four, and then it was on to a Stanley Cup final rematch in Minnesota against the North Stars. Conn Smythe winner Butch Goring's two goals must have given the spectators at the Met Center a serious case of deja vu, but Smith did his part with 33 saves in the 8-5 win. Still, the team lacked zest in their trademark combativeness, among other things. They went winless in a four-game Western Canada swing, and fingers were starting to be pointed. Dennis Potvin had missed the first 15 games of the season with an injury, and the Islanders hadn't looked the same once he was back in the lineup. Arbor's frequent line and defensive pairing changes were starting to annoy his players, and Melanson wasn't nearly as good as he was as a rookie, allowing 26 goals in a stretch where he only won one of six games. At 15-9-5 midway through December, the Islanders needed to get right in a hurry if they wanted to get back into position to defend their two straight Stanley Cups. A 10-7 win over Quebec was a start, but it didn't look that way at the beginning. Smith allowed four goals in the first period, but stayed in goal as the Islanders mounted a furious comeback that included five goals in the third period. Smith said afterwards, quote, I'll remember this game for a long time. Either that, or I'll try to forget it, end quote. That wacky win was the first of six straight for the Islanders. Even Melanson was finally able to pull off wins in three straight starts. Smith made 27 saves in a 4-2 victory over the Flyers, including a spectacular diving save on Ilka Sinisalo during a four-minute Philadelphia power play to keep the Islanders in first place in the Patrick division. Sadly, 
The streak ended with a home loss to Montreal in their next game that was also Smith's 400th in the NHL. He blamed himself for the 5-4 loss, saying, quote, I was brutal. It was stupid the way I played. I should know. The reason we lost was because I was brutal. End quote. I mean, jeez. They ended 1981 with a 6-4 loss to the Rangers, but began 1982 with four straight victories, including back-to-back wins over the Flyers. That string was followed by two losses and a tie, which had Arbor concerned. His team had gained a propensity for blowing third-period leads. Potvin was sick with a stomach illness. Bob Nystrom, who was riding a 10-game pointless streak and a 13-game goalless streak, was a healthy scratch. And players were fending off accusations that they were tired or hurt or out of shape after two long title campaigns. The champs were looking very beatable. But when we come back, the Islanders and Smith go on record-setting runs on their way to Cup number 3. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Billy Smith was definitely one of a kind for better or worse. He fully believed that goalies were special and should be treated as such. He told Newsday's Pat Calabria for a 1982 feature, quote, you treat a goalie bad and you'll get a bad goalie. Okay, I'm pampered here and I play like a pampered goalie and that's my firm belief. If a goalie's head isn't on straight, he's not going to give you the big save when you need it and he's not going to give you that big second effort when you need it. I believe that. A goalie is different from anyone else, end quote. He could drive his coaches crazy with an attitude towards practice best described as adversarial. His preferred workout was a few games of tennis, which he felt helped him move his feet, something goalies often ignored. Lifting weights was out of the question, and he joked that he had never pulled a muscle in his life because, quote, I don't have any muscles to pull. One year at training camp, Al Arbor made the mistake of asking Smith to ride a stationary bike. He did. Once. When Smith showed up sore the next day, he told his coach, quote, If you want a bicyclist, I'll ride that thing into the ground. If you want a hockey player, I won't get on it again. End quote. And that was the end of that. Bob Nystrom once said that Smitty, quote, has to wear three sweaters in practice to break a sweat. But the games, he's something else. He's always there. End quote. He could rub his own teammates the wrong way, even ones he shared a locker room with for years. Struggling in a game against Buffalo in November of 1981, assistant coach Lorne Henning suggested that the defense start blocking more shots in front of Smith. They ended up losing the game 5-2, with a few goals bouncing off of sliding Islanders. And Smith was not happy. 
He fumed at Newsday's Tim Moriarty saying, quote, Why do something we haven't been doing all season? I have to see the puck, and the defensemen know they have to get out of the way. If they try to block a shot in front of me and they miss it, I'm out of the play. End quote. He also wanted his colleagues to keep their distance from him in the case of a fight. He told Sports Illustrated's E.M. Swift in 1982, quote, I have a standing agreement with my guys that if I start something, I handle it. I don't want them coming in. Why should one of our valuable guys risk getting thrown out of a game when they know that three quarters of the time, I instigate the incident? If you're going to play dirty, if you're going to hit a Paul Holmgren, you're going to have to drop your gloves and be a man. If he's going to pound you, let him pound you. I feel I'm a pretty good fighter and I enjoy it. If I have time, I'll take my helmet off. End quote. One thing was for sure. Billy Smith absolutely hated losing. That was something he and his teammates had in common. And from January 21st to February 20th, 1982, the Islanders did not lose a single game. One calendar month, 15 straight wins, an NHL record at the time that would stand for over a decade. It began with a 6-1 win at the Coliseum over the Penguins, then a victory over the Rangers by the same score two nights later. Then came two more wins over Pittsburgh with scores of 9-2 and 6-3 in a back-to-back home-at-home series. Win number five was a 4-2 win over Minnesota in which Smith was the star, making 29 saves, many of them of the sprawling variety. After the game, Arbor's analysis was repeating more than once for reporters, quote, Smitty was outstanding. Even with Arbor coaching the Wales Conference team, Smith didn't have the votes to make that year's All-Star game. Pittsburgh's Michelle Dion and Buffalo's Don Edwards were the tandem. Smith was called on to replace Roly Melanson in a game against the Capitals, in which the Islanders' backup gave up four goals in the first 23 minutes. Smith was in net when the Islanders scored four goals of their own in the second period to earn win number six, seven to six. But he laughingly called the entire display, quote, pathetic. Win number seven was also against the Caps two nights later, and tied the club record for consecutive victories. Smith had 34 saves and helped kill off a whopping 10 Washington power plays. The 5-2 win over the Caps was followed by beatdowns of the Red Wings, Sabres, and Blackhawks, with the Islanders scoring, no joke, 6, 7, and 8 goals consecutively. Trottier stole the show in win number 11, scoring 5 goals in an 8-2 win over the Flyers, which set or tied 8 NHL or club records and gave the Islanders a 13-point lead over Philly in the Patrick division. Next up was a 9-1 rout of the Whalers in Hartford, then a 6-2 win over Pittsburgh for win number 13. It was the Islanders' fourth victory over the Pens during the streak. Smith made 12 saves in the first period to keep the game scoreless before the forwards opened things up. The NHL record for consecutive wins was 14, set by the 1929-30 Boston Bruins. The 82 Islanders admitted later that they hadn't even thought about breaking the record until their streak reached 12 or 13 games. Once it did, they set their sights on history. A 7-4 victory over the Flyers was win number 14, tying the record. And to set a new one, the Islanders and Billy Smith would have to beat an old friend. For seven-plus seasons, Billy Smith and Glenn Resch better known by his 70s-tastic nickname of Chico, gave the Islanders one of the more formidable 1A and 1B goalie tandems in the NHL. They both put up all-star caliber numbers and made the Islanders a tough squad to beat. 
The two also forged a close relationship despite having polar opposite personalities. Smith could be gruff and standoffish, and was so focused before starts that his own teammates steered completely clear of him on game days. Chico, on the other hand, was affable and sociable and would, quote, talk to a wall if it would let him, according to Smith. Chico's outgoing personality made him perhaps more of a fan favorite than Smith was, and many of his stats were superior to Smith's during their Islander days. But it was during the 1980 playoffs when Smith really became the money goalie the team needed to finally break through as a champion after years of disappointments. In March of the following season, and with Melanson having hit the ground running as a rookie, Resch was traded to the Colorado Rockies with forward Steve Tambellini for defenseman Mike McEwen and goalie Yari Carella. The changing of the guard meant the Islanders had decided on who was the more valuable goalie, and it meant Chico missed out on the dynasty. The Rockies were very bad when they came into Nassau Coliseum on February 20th, 1982. They had a record of 13-37-11, less wins over the course of the season than the Islanders had had over their last month. The Isles were hungry to break the 52-year-old record against the struggling club. The crowd gave Chico a warm ovation before the game, and he and the Rockies put up a valiant fight taking a 1-0 lead in the first period and keeping the game at 2-2 with a minute left in the third. With the record 45 seconds from evaporating, the line of Trottier, Bossy, and Tonelli crossed the Rockies' blue line. Trottier dropped a short pass back to Tonelli, who rifled a shot past former Islander Bob Lorimer and under Resch for a 3-2 Islanders lead. The home team celebrated, if not the way they had when they won their last two Stanley Cups, but much more jubilantly than they would have during most regular season games. Resch was pulled for an extra attacker, but the clock ran down and the Islanders poured onto the ice for some extra festive head taps and hugs. Smith made 17 saves for the victory. Chico praised his old team and was pleased to at least have given them a tough game. He would lead the NHL in losses in 1981-82 and receive the Masterton Trophy for perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey, probably because of it. Winning 15 straight games without the benefit of overtime was a huge achievement for a team that had already had some huge achievements. Even within that achievement were some other notable numbers. They outscored their opponents 97-35 overall and 36-4 in third periods alone. There were only two one-goal victories during the streak. Most were blowouts. Only four times did the Islanders have to rally for a win. Melanson won six games, while Smith won the other nine. The Islanders had to immediately fly to Pittsburgh after beating the Rockies at home. It was there that the streak ended with a 4-2 loss to the Penguins. There may have been a little too much celebrating going on between games, but no matter. The record had been secured, and the Islanders' dominance gained a little bit more weight. The consecutive wins record would stand for 11 years until it was broken by the 1992-93 Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins hold the current record with 17 straight wins. In the 2016-2017 season, the Columbus Blue Jackets also bested the Islanders by winning 16 straight. Back to 82. The Islanders would lose only two more games before the end of the season, along with three ties. They would have unbeaten streaks of eight and nine games, including a handful of blowouts. In many, Smith was the star. He won a team-record 10th straight game in yet another victory over the Penguins on February 25th. Afterwards, he praised his teammates for learning to stay the hell out of his way and not allow for deflections off of their sticks. He set a new club record with his 29th victory of the season, 
by making 20 saves in a 6-4 win over the Rangers in early March. Things were looking so good that the team made a stopover in Las Vegas in between games in Denver and Los Angeles. Even the normally detached Smith enjoyed the gambling, golf, and glitz, including taking in a set by one Don Rickles with his teammates. Mr. Warmth called out the Islanders in the crowd and referred to Smith as, quote, the sub-goalie. In a sign of mellowing that shocked even his teammates, Smith didn't engage Rickles in a fight or an argument right then and there, although he did later admit to being miffed by the joke. About a week later, on March 25th, a 3-1 win over Montreal gave the Islanders their 51st victory of the season and 31st at home, both tying club records. At that point, Smith was riding a personal 18-game unbeaten streak with a record of 16-0-2. He would make it 19 unbeaten with a tie against the Flyers on April 1st. In the regular season finale, every streak came to an end. The Islanders lost 7-2 to the Penguins in a game even they had to laugh at. On top of a franchise record 54 wins, they had already secured 118 points, the most in the league that season, and a 26-point lead in the Patrick Division over the second-place Rangers. Bill Smith finished with a record of 32-9-4, topping the NHL in wins and setting a new personal best by a significant margin. Among goalies with 45 or more starts, he gave up the least goals against with 133. Smith tied Edmonton's Grant Fuhrer for the league's second-best save percentage with 898, and trailed only Montreal's Dennis Herron and Rick Wamsley with a 2.97 goals against average. If there was any concern going into the playoffs, it was that, after a spectacular record-setting regular season, had the Islanders peaked too early? After the first two games of their first-round playoff series with their frequent opponents, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the answer seemed to be a resounding no. The Islanders won both games by scores of 8-1 and 7-2, and seemed in position to make quick work of the Pens, who finished five games under 543 points behind the Islanders in the Patrick Division. But then something weird happened. Penguins won Game 3 2-1 in overtime on Rick Kehoe's wrist shot a little over four minutes in. Despite the loss, Smith was very good, making 30 saves. But Pittsburgh goalie Michel Dion was better, making 38 saves and giving the Islanders fits. Dion did it again with 24 saves and a 5-2 win in Game 4. Smith was rested for that game, having started 13 consecutive playoff games and 26 out of 27, but the skaters played a sloppy, undisciplined game in front of Melanson. That set up a deciding Game 5, with all the pressure squarely on the shoulders of the defending champions who were facing their first elimination game in two springs. Islanders winger Bob Bourne called it a scary feeling. When they entered the third period down 3-1, fans at Nassau Coliseum feared they were seeing the end of their club's reign. The Islanders had basically dominated the game, and peppered Dion with 18 shots in the third period. But things didn't get interesting until there were about six minutes left. With a crucial late power play looking disjointed, Arbor made the call to pull Smith in favor of Melanson. The two-minute break afforded to the backup to warm up gave the Islanders' top unit the rest that they needed. Islanders doing the unusual again. to talk to everybody. He's going to send Roland Melanson into goal, but this is just, I think, and looking ahead, this is just for one shift, 
maybe one whistle and he'll get Bill Smith up. But what he is getting now is a rest for his team exactly. because they can warm up Roland Melanson. Good call. Once play resumed, the Islanders scored in just 23 seconds when pinching defenseman Mike McEwen pounced on a Mike Bossy rebound. Suddenly, it was a 3-2 game with a little over five minutes left. Smith was immediately placed back into the game. About three minutes later, John Tonelli took advantage of a miscue by Penguins captain Randy Carlisle in his own zone and zapped the tying goal behind an unsuspecting Dion. Getting the score knotted was one thing. Keeping it there was another. And that was where Smith came in, making a huge save on Rick McLeish just before the end of regulation, and then another on Mike Bullard about 90 seconds into overtime on a two-on-one, one of the biggest saves of Smith's career. About five minutes later, it was Tonelli again. He crashed the net with Bob Nystrom and whacked home a loose puck behind Dion to clinch the series for the Islanders. Bullard picks it up now to the Islander line with McLeish and Ferguson. Bullard a slap shot and hit Longevin. Bullard picks it up, gives it to Carlisle. His shot blocked in front by Mike McKillen. McKillen sends Tonelli away Disaster had been averted, but the Penguins put a hell of a scare into the Islanders, and they all knew it. Smith, who famously did not shake hands with opponents after playoff series, even skated over to Dion to give him a congratulatory pat on the head. Smith's belief was that it didn't feel right to shake hands after wins or losses because either one would make him a hypocrite. When he saw his hero Jerry Cheevers askew the tradition, he figured he could too. But Dion had basically played the series of his life, and Smith had decided that he was due some respect. Round two pit the Islanders against their bitter rivals, the New York Rangers. The Islanders dropped game one five to four, but won the next three in a row. Smith made a series of key saves, particularly in the first period of a 5-3 win in game four. After dropping game five at the Coliseum, the Islanders clinched the series at the Garden with another five to three victory. In that game, Smith made what he called his best save ever. He had dropped his stick after trying to knock the puck off of Robbie Fatorik's stick as Fatorik came around the back of the net. Fatorik sent the puck into the slot to Rayo Rutzelainen, whose shot was snagged by a diving Smith. Even the Rangers broadcasters were impressed. Don Maloney for Fatorik. Beck's in front. Beck trying to get in front. They're holding him back. In front. the biggest save. Oh, watch this for Torek to watch Lennon. Now watch Billy Smith make the save with the glove. Watch this save. 
And watch Beck's reaction. Look at Beck. Okay, watch the save here from this thing and then watch Beck's reaction. It's really amazing. Look at Rich Lennon. I mean, he has it. Look at Beck. Beck can't believe it. Frankly, I can't believe that one. What a save. Billy Smith believes it. Well, he Face should. Off. He made the save. The Prince of Wales Conference Finals would feature the Islanders versus the Quebec Nordiques, who had ridden their unique francophone flavor and European-influenced skill of the Stastny brothers to surprise series wins over Montreal and Boston. In Game 1, Smith made a bunch of big saves on Real Cloutier and Wally Weir with the score 2-1, to allowing Dennis Potvin to score a key insurance goal en route to a 4-1 win. Game 2 was an oddly boring 5-2 Islanders win, with Smith again the standout, making 30 saves in the first two periods. Quebec backup goalie John Garrett watched Smith from the bench, and he said he was essentially the game's turning point. Quote, We tended to let down after we threw those 17 shots at Billy in the second period. End quote. Nordique's coach Michel Bergeron also called Smith the difference in the game, saying, quote, Smith was just tremendous. He stopped everything. End quote. Game 3 was a combative, penalty-filled overtime affair won by the Islanders' Wayne Merrick in Quebec City. Smith made 31 saves in what, for all intents and purposes, was the end of the series. The clinching Game 4 was a clinic of experience over exuberance, with solving Smith still a major issue for the Nordiques. Play by Paymon on Morrow inside the blue line, swung to the right side. Boy, it's a familiar story here, Bobby. They just can't beat Billy Smith. Well, he saw he's got a hot hand tonight, and uh, he's up to his old tricks. He's done it before. He's been here before. He knows what he has to do to win a hockey game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, I guess he feels he'd like to have a little rest before they go into the finals. The Islanders took an early lead, went up 3-0, then survived a Quebec comeback attempt before nailing an empty netter with two seconds remaining. Smith's 11th consecutive playoff start tied his own club record, and he came about four minutes away from a shutout. Once the win was secured, the Islanders made their receipt of the Prince of Wales trophy a relatively subdued celebration. They would face the Vancouver Canucks in the 1982 Stanley Cup Final the team gunning for their third straight championship versus the team that had never been out of the preliminary round before. The Canucks were a scrappy bunch, led by tough players like Stan Smeal and Dave Tiger-Williams, leading scorer Thomas Gradeen, and 29-year-old goalie Richard Brodeur, a former Islanders draft pick that was never going to see the inside of their crease as long as Smith and Resch were around. Their coach was Roger Nielsen, a hockey lifer that had gotten his players to buy into their underdog status through series wins against Calgary, L.A., and Chicago. Vancouver knew it was in for an uphill climb, and Game 1 was their chance to make some headway. They had rallied to lead the champs 5-4 with about four minutes to go when Mike Bossy tied the game. In overtime, the teams traded chances and both goalies came up huge for nearly a full period before Bossy scored his third goal of the game with two seconds remaining off an errant pass by Harold Sneps. Game 2 was also tied in the third period 4-4. At this point, 
Vancouver tried to physically bully the Islanders into submission. But when you live by the penalty, you often die by it too. A Brian Trottier power play goal at the 7-minute mark gave the Islanders the lead they needed, and they would win in a 6-4 final. But the tension was rising, particularly between Williams, who had over 100 penalty minutes in 17 games that postseason alone, and Smith, who again did not like people near his crease. Tiger said the Islanders goalie, quote, tried to gouge my eye out, which led to the two rolling on the ice like two fighting polar bears. Williams was given minors for slashing and roughing, and Smith only one for slashing. Did not see any reason for Williams to be after Billy Smith, but maybe we can tell in the replay. Let's take a look. That's Ivan Boldarev with the puck. There's Billy Smith. Wow, there's one good reason. Boom, he gives it back to him. He's trying to make a little shish kebab. Billy Smith has a, a protector, of course, his belly protector, so that is not going to do him any physical damage, that, that spear. Uh, Breaking the action. Games 1 and 2 might not have been ideal or even fun to watch, but Game 3 in an energized Vancouver was Smith's time to shine. He made 23 saves in a 3 to nothing shutout, the Islanders' first playoff blanking in three seasons. Mike McEwen takes over. Get that opportunity, but look at Smith standing up. He makes the first save, and then right on the rebound, he's able to gain that position again, and two great saves. The highlight everyone's seen from this one was Bossy scoring a spectacular goal while somehow floating in the air like Superman. But Smith was a key part of the victory. Williams had vowed before the game that the Canucks would, quote, go after Smith, but nothing rattled him, and the wide smile on his face afterward was something you didn't see very often. Game 4 sealed the Islanders as a true dynasty. The 3-1 win made them the first team since the 1970 Bruins to sweep the last two rounds of the playoffs, and made them the first U.S.-based NHL team to win three Stanley Cups in a row. Bossy scored twice on the power play in the second period, giving him 17 goals over the playoffs and earning him the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. But it was up to Smith to preserve the two-goal lead throughout the entirety of the third period. Young Mark Crawford coming in here. He takes it to his backhand and just lets a weak backhander go. Billy Smith had no trouble with it at all. And I think really the big difference outside of Islanders having considerable more talent has been the goaltending of Billy Smith early in the hockey game and late in the hockey game. And particularly, he's made six or seven stops that uh, might have beaten them and we could have had a 3 2 hockey game. He has stayed in his feet. Nothing has beat him on the short side. Nothing has got between his legs and nothing has got over his shoulder. Tremendous exhibition by both goaltenders of how to play goal. There was still time enough left for Smith to get one last chop in. 
clipping Vancouver captain Stan Smeal in the lip as he passed his crease with about a minute and a half left. Once the cup was secured, Smith was mobbed by his teammates. Those 15 wins tied Smith's own NHL record, and he had done it this time in only 18 starts. Back on Long Island, the entire team was mobbed by about 45,000 screaming fans along Hempstead Turnpike for the victory parade. Players and the Cup rode in the backs of team-colored caravan trucks as fans waved signs and screamed. Perhaps it was the emotion of the time or the exhaustion of another grueling spring, but battling Billy really did seem to mellow at least a little. He shocked everyone on parade day by actually wanting to get in close contact with some of the people that he had kept at arm's length. Quote, It's a great day, but it would have been better if we had a convertible for each guy instead of riding in these huge trucks. I wish we could be near the fans. I mean, touch them. They have supported us all year. I really want to reach out and touch them. End quote. Normally, being touched by Billy Smith meant getting a bruise or cut or black eye. But with the season fully over and the Islanders once again on top, Billy had no one left to fight for a few months. But there was still a little business to attend to. On June 7th, 1982, Smith was named a first-team All-Star for the first time, besting Edmonton's Grant Fuhrer by 137 points. Smith had often griped that he was more notorious for his combativeness than acknowledged for his talents as a goalie, but now it was clear that his skill was finally being recognized as the NHL writers who voted for the All-Star teams picked him in a landslide. A day later, Smith gained a little more validation by being named the winner of the 1982 Vezina Trophy as the league's most outstanding goaltender. His 51 total points were 20 more than Fuhrer, who finished second. Michelle Dion, who battled Smith save for save in the first round of the playoffs, finished third, one point behind Fuhrer. Billy Smith was certainly not everyone's cup of tea. If you were not an Islanders fan back in those days, chances are Smith was a big reason for that. There were probably even some Islanders fans who got tired of his fighting and slashing and spearing and general truculence. But no matter how long it took to get recognized, there should be no doubt that Smith was also, clearly, one of the best goalies of his era. He remains the best goalie in franchise history, and the only Islander to win the Vezina as of 2019. Nobody fought harder to get to the top of the mountain than battling Billy. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracino. Research and other assistance provided by Kevin Schultz. You can read more about Long Island hockey history at Kevin's project, lihockeyhistory.com, or at its Twitter account, at lihockeyhistory. You can also visit Kevin's shop at vintageicehockey.com, where you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring logos of over 100 classic hockey teams. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save 15% off your order and donate a portion of the sale to the Center for Dementia Research in the name of Coach Alpha. Check out Lighthouse Hockey every day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. 
And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for listening. See you next time.